Okay, now for part two of episode 77, Kanawha Falls Rescue, Meme Boof, and Responsible Pooping. Enjoy. I'm, I'm calling her. Alright. I'm still blown away from that story. I'm probably not going to come back too. to full speed until we... Until Jesus. We... I know, I'm like emotionally exhausted just from having heard that. <laughs> I know. What a story. What a story indeed. Alright, welcome to the Hammer Factor... Upper Yacht Race organizer, Kara Weld. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, thanks for coming. So, Feels like a, a lifetime ago, the Upper Yacht Race. <laughs> so, Kara, tell us how the race went. Okay, so remembering back to July, <laughs> um, it really went really, really well. Um, yeah, 2020 Upper Yacht Race during COVID, we, um, if you recall, we had to, um, do online registration only. And, um, that was new for us. And, um, what we started to realize a couple days before the race was that we, um, were going to run out of water. So we had to cap the, the number of racers cause we, it, we had, it's damn controlled and minute intervals. And, um, so we had to cap the race at 120 boats and, um, you know, coming into this year, we've been having 50, 60, maybe 70 racers. So it really took us by surprise. Um, and, uh, you know, definitely people were that some people were taken by surprise by, um, being, we had a wait list. We had more than 25 people on a wait list. (laughs) Um, then the other big thing we did this year is we, um, set this goal of trying to get 40 women racers. Um, previously we had had like seven and then like the most we'd ever had was 12. And, um, we had 42, I believe. 42 ladies. Yes. That's awesome. We blew it away. So I'm glad that you guys had me back on to let people know that a lot of people didn't realize um, that happened, and it did. It was really cool. Who won? So um, Sandrine from D.C. won the women's class. Um, and uh, in the men's, A.J., Adam Johnson, he beat uh, Beeks and Calhoun, second and third. Mm. And, um, yeah, yeah, way to go, A.J. And the top Four men were within a tenth of a second. Holy. Yeah. So. And how long a race course is that? So they were just under 32 minutes. And they so were a tenth a... of a second, four people? Yeah. 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 Wow. Oh, that's amazing. That's good racing. Yeah. So yeah. What, what did you, I mean, what did you, I mean, what did you learn? What, what would you do differently next year? What worked? I mean, is there any lessons learned from how you did this race and something you're going to do differently next year? Absolutely. So one thing we will always do online registration, pre-registration, and it will be capped at 120 boats. So register early. Um, Be on the lookout for that. Um, Second thing is, in the past, we had always seated the women racers together. And when we had, you know, 7, 10, 12 women, I got feedback, it just, just the way it was over the years that they, they really liked it. They liked all being pulled up together at the start and at the finish. And, um, well this year we, that created a little, um, issue in that 
um, we just had people got overtaken. And so, and then in the future, we're just, and it has nothing to do with men or women. We're just going to be a lot more careful about how we seed. Um, a minute interval is a long time. So it's generally works out. Um, and you've got rafts out there. You've got a lot of people just paddling the river. They try to stay out of the way, but the rapids are tight. So I don't know um, how you guys, how the green race that goes. If people are real, the race course is clear, but you, you guys don't have raft traffic. But um, the race course isn't always clear. That's part of one of the obstacles, I guess, in upper yak race traditionally. So anyhow. It's usually worked out pretty well. We do try our best to seed people. Um, so we're going to be more careful about using past um, race times and do better seeding for sure. Um, yeah, you got to seed by time. Yeah. You know, it's yep. a gender neutral well, world, Kara. <laughs> Speaking of which, I don't can, see gender. Can you, can, you get, can you get my back on something? <laughs> Please. <laughs> this is Don't like, tell this me is this is be... about that Facebook post. Oh this yes, let like me introduce when this. The, when, okay. the, when the politician does something wrong, and then <laughs> brought out his wife to stand next to him while he makes some exactly. like party thought dude that we're doing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the like, first, like, I'll listen, be the first I, one to tell I John he was wife wrong. And a mother, I can't possibly be sexist. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then next week I'll be like. A complete reversal. I'll be like, I made inappropriate comments, and I'm ashamed for myself uh, and for. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Grace. Kick this off because I want to clear this up once and for let all. Let me jump in here. Someone messaged me. Actually, a couple people messaged me, and they said, "Hey, you know, it kind of started off with, you know, I listened to the show. I've always thought you guys, you know, are pretty fair. You know, of, you know, you're bringing women on the show and being inclusive, and you know, all the things and." whatever but apparently on the ladies of the whitewater community um, people don't feel that way and I responded huh what, what's that all about and so obviously I'm not in the ladies of whitewater community page so I had a couple people it's a Facebook page Facebook page yep Facebook page so I was like well what on earth have we done you know that's what immediately what goes through my head I'm like oh god what did I say because inevitably when you record 77 shows something comes out of your mouth that you probably shouldn't have said. <laughs> well, well, lo and behold, I get the screenshots and I look on there, and basically, I was pretty much in the clear. <laughs> but, uh, but there was a lot of blame that uh, John Weld from IR was calling people fatties. <laughs> so, so essentially, <laughs> we got thrown under the bus, Lewis, <laughs> for comments that Weld made. Now, I. I, Honestly, I have to say that I guess I have to say that one hearing that the objectionable thing was calling somebody a fatty. I have a feeling that that actually probably was me. <laughs> <laughs> was it like, you? I don't remember it. I don't. I, I, that sounds like a word I throw around from time to time more than well. But maybe I, I very gingerly but, call the Thomas West Virginia Rescue Crew big boys. But also <laughs> we. But it's that's not, objective. I mean, that's subjective. There I mean, Carrie, no, you listen to the show. Who? Wait, wait, wait. But this is the thing. We can't every time that we've said something sexist or gotten ourselves in hot water for some reason. It's not fair to drag Kara or we did this to Hattie before, where we're like asking some woman to to vouch for our bad behavior. Like this is this is part of the problem, boys. I <laughs> never said anything to the sort. That fa I think the quote was, fatties don't deserve dry suits. Hey, ladies of the whitewater community, can you 
find this quote and send it to us because <laughs> I don't know what exactly happened, but I will remedy it and stamp it out. That's all I'm saying. Well, there's uh, a lot yeah, someone told me about this as well, and I went looking into it. Um, I, I first have to say, I feel like I've listened to every Hammer Factor, maybe not. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Not yeah. carefully enough, but I've never ever heard John oh. say that, and I don't think I don't even think I've heard Lewis say "fatty." Maybe you if, did. Kara, if I had said anything like that, you would have. Of course. There would have been. Yeah, and that's just not There's... something you would have said. But so I did. Somebody later on in the thread says it was episode fifty-four, and I've been trying to scan that. I do. Right in the beginning, Grace, you call John the owner of IR, and John immediately corrects you to, to say he's the co-owner, which I appreciate, because <laughs> so very often I get discounted from the hard work I put in around here. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think the big thing, though, I don't know if you're free. I don't, I, the, the comment, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't know where that came from. I would love to find out yeah, what was said and how that, was con- how that happened. But... They um, generally don't like how you're perpetuating the bro kayaking culture, guys. So what what can you do about that? What, what, you say? what does that mean? Can you describe <laughs> like like what that means? Can you translate from the ladies Boy. of whitewater community to us bros? This is where I'm going to have to defer to what Lewis just said. You can't just pull on any woman and expect her to answer these questions. The, your token What's woman. It like to be I don't powerful. understand. <laughs> <laughs> Could you answer that, please, so we understand? <laughs> you really want to know? <laughs> um, that's more for like science versus or another podcast. Um, I don't know. I mean, you you guys talk about this all the time. You'd love to have a woman come on as a regular. And sit on here with you guys. Uh, I, I don't want to do it. I'm not. I wouldn't be very good at it. I, I think it would add to the show to find the right person. Someone um, can take my spot, honestly. No, Send no, in none, a resume. You can, none of you can go. You guys, you guys are. You I guys mean, are to good. be clear, I understand the bro bra culture criticism, and that, to me, that just means you don't like the podcast and you should listen. I, I get that. I, <laughs> I mean, that may be it. But to me, the podcast has always been simply. An, ex- an extension of the conversations we were having on the phone before we did this podcast. What we talk about here is pretty much the, like Grace and I today got on just to, to shoot the breeze before the show. We started doing the hammer factor within a couple seconds. We were doing the hammer factor because <laughs> we've been doing it for like, like 20 years now. Right. Yeah. No, it's, I agree. And I guess that's why I said just having a female voice on here would, would, um, I think that's right. Change I mean, that I, perception. It's like, I think that's like, I don't think we really need to change anything other than just trying to have more women on and have more people of color on and just have like a more mm. diverse cast of characters on here as much as we can. And I mean, I don't, I mean, to the extent that we joke around about stuff, I mean, I don't think that's going to change, but I think just trying to be like a little more representative would be good for us, good for the podcast. And a lot of the ladies did speak highly of you and, and pointed out that you know, a lot of the episodes that you've had with a lot of women and how you don't make a big deal about them being a woman just as a good kayaker or a, you know, whatever their accomplishment was. Um, so you did get some love as well. Um, I I personally would love to see more women on. I'd love the episodes when you've had women on. I'd um, like to have Gloria on, like, every second show. 
not only is she an awesome guest, but as I've said before, I think, well, Dane's giving her a run for the money, but one of the finest whitewater kayakers in the world. Period. Oh, you said Noria. Oh, yeah, for sure. She's great. Call her up. I think when we get Nikki Kelly on here. Oh, that would be so wonderful. <laughs> oh. For those of people who don't know Nikki Kelly, oh, she's a no. New Zealand paddler who dated John Grace for a number of years <laughs> during probably his heyday, right? As like the Seven Rivers expedition, that whole scene. And I would just, I would delight in hearing stories of John Grace from that era, from Nikki, who who is who is gonna tell it like it is, right? She's a straight shooter. She's a <laughs> she's twelve hour straight. time distance though, difference though, so it's gonna be a struggle. Well. Anyway, right, congratulations so, on a great way, great race, Kara. Thank you. And can I say next year, twenty twenty one? pre-registration and we want to have a full-fledged women's junior girls class we were building that class we actually probably did but a lot of them entered women so um yeah junior boys we had a bigger biggest class ever we had our youngest racer ever um so kind of keep growing growing the the race 120 Hey, somebody hit me up about like there was a crash or something somewhere in the race and an altercation in the parking lot. Was that true or was that made up? No, it was true. That was part of the seating issue. It was just a bad seating and then, you know, tension and tempers flared and I think it's all worked out now. Um, what happened? One of the female racers was overtaken by a faster male racer who should have been further up in the seed. Like he uh, had, okay. he had, he was way down. It's because he had a bad seed from last year, which we did account for his time. It wasn't, but he got behind somebody and got messed up last year. So, okay. So, so he, he was, was bummed you know, because his, he yeah. didn't have the race he wanted and she was bummed because she got lapped or whatnot. Well, and she flipped and he hit her and, you know, there's, there's GoPro and everybody can analyze that themselves because it was all over Facebook. But then, you know, then they had words and it just, um, I, I think, I think if you race that race, you need to go in understanding this is a working river. This isn't like a, a, a walled garden, like the green narrows might be. This is a river where people <laughs> blue collar Americans are out there oh, running a living and you're going to run into people. You know, <laughs> no, yes. we're going to do better seating and it, it no, it is. I mean, you, th things are going to happen. Racing is, is what racing is rubbing. Right. But, um, yeah, I think, I think it was something like the Sagan episode in the Tour de France this year. He nudged, uh, he nudged Wout, Wout van Aert. Mm. You guys, you guys with me on this one? Very Anyone? similar. Very similar. God. Yeah. The year, the year I went to the green race, I was, you know, I guess cause I'd never been before. I was down back in the, the pack, son. Oh yeah, I probably passed ten people. I bet I had to pass a canoe in those in those slides below Gorilla. It was like like there was like somebody swimming in the hole. And, uh, it, 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 what's that? What's that one called above the Gorilla Zwix? Yeah, there was somebody get... swimming in the hole at Zwix, and I'm just like looking over my shoulder. And I'm like, yeah, I guess this guy's okay. And just like, I mean, it was gong show, man. What year was that? Like like screaming at this dude in the canoe coming down through those slides. I'm just like, move! <laughs> what year was that? Practice laps in uh, the full-length downriver boats on the upper yacht, and then you get these squirt boaters who would insist on getting one more cartwheel before you come down through the slot. 
and you just hit him going like 60. <laughs> just so fast, so fast and so hard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I will say that the guy who got fourth, Art Arquette, he had a lousy seed because I kind of messed up his seed. Um, I think it was, he had to pass maybe 12 people, and he ended up fourth within the tenth of a second of the winner. Sick. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody we'll wants to have a everybody wants to have a good race, and mm-hmm. things happen, and everybody's fired up, and you only get one shot, and so it's all understandable. But in the end, it's not that big a deal. You weren't nobody was stuck behind a cave for six and a half hours by themselves in the dark. So. Oh, Kara, wait to hear this. Wait to hear this. So get this up on the air so I can. <laughs> thanks for Rivet having it. me on, you guys. All right. Well, thanks for the update, Kara. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye, Kara. Whew, man. All right. Should we get into some listener mail? What's uh, what's going on with uh, Mr. Boof? Well, you've got to tell us what's going on with Mr. Boof. Um, well, you've you, you, well, you got the schedule. What's gonna, how's this going to go down? Okay, so let's go right into listener mail. Let's do this one listener mail that came in about the scoop that was going on with oh. COVID and banks. Okay? All right. All right, let's get working into it then. Um, Let's just jump right into it. Um, So Burgess Norgard says, Hey, love the show, and thanks for the discussion. You provoke in Whitewater community. Just heard your most recent show and Lewis's concern about the social distancing situation in banks. I'm a hospitalist physician in Boise, Idaho, and I see COVID patients every day in our state's biggest hospitals. And on my off time, I call banks and the pay at my home. I do not disagree with Lewis's assessment. It had mirrored concerns of my own. I think this... Could be a conversation um, we could help better inform our whitewater community and youthful paddlers. I'm happy happy to offer a balanced perspective for the show on the situation in banks on the background of the state situation over here. Um, cheers, Burgess. So, Burgess, and, go ahead, Lewis. Yeah, I mean, I guess I just want to like preface this conversation by saying that I love banks and the community of banks and everything about you know, that community represents a lot of what's awesome about the whitewater world. So before we start tearing into them about COVID, which I think we can and should do, I just want to acknowledge that this comes from a place of love. A little back. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's a little, uh, I'm not, not going to back that. Up. Well, I think one idea is we could have a doctor come on and discuss this, but, <laughs> but being this is the hammer factor, Weld somehow out of the weeds dug up Meme Boof. <laughs> so Meme Boof, who literally we have no idea who this person is, anonymous, is going to come on the show and somehow has an angle on this whole Banks COVID thing. Um, and to be clear, I don't think it's a jokey angle. I think it's he has a real take on it. No. Anyway, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. I'm a I love this. We can add Meme Booth into the the list of characters alongside the ABRG. See how he does. <laughs> I, hope, I know I well really does his Howard Stern, oh. Howard Stern, uh, whack, whack pack <laughs> vision for the podcast. <laughs> I'm not sure how to. Like... I'm not sure how to introduce Meme Booth other than he has an Instagram page that's pretty famous, and it's just a collection of whitewater memes. So. Um, from the bowels of Instagram uh, with the inside scoop on the COVID outbreak in banks. Welcome to the show, Meme Boof. Hey there, how's it going, guys? 
I can't know, believe we... I'm actually seeing meme. Like, there's oh, something about this just isn't computing. Like, oh. I feel like I should be seeing like, like, could be like a silhouette or like uh, a... <laughs> turn... I turn my camera off. Like a photograph <laughs> of like. It's one of those things. Once we've seen you, we can't erase it. So let's just go ahead and keep, right. the, keep the thing up. But I'm gonna just pretend that I have a persona, and I'm just gonna let this all go. We'll we'll let you if you. We're gonna keep your name anonymous for right now. We'll just be totally. Mr. Boof. <laughs> Mr. Boof. That works with me. Right. All right. So Mr. Mean Boof. Before we get into everything, COVID banks. Where did this Insta- Instagram handle come from, and where did the idea come from? And just tell me how it all started. Um, you know, I've kind of always been um, based around like comedy um, with my family, um, come kind of from a family of characters. And I originally started a, um, a ski meme page out of Boise, Idaho about um, Bogus Basin, um, which is a local resort there. And that page was a lot more personal. My best friend who runs the marketing page there hadn't even known it was me. And I was like making fun of like the park crew there and everything. And I was like, whoa, like it kind of took off um, for somewhere like Boise. And I was like, you know, there's not really anything like this with kayaking and kind of started to like break something up um, as far as like trying to make things funny. And it didn't really take off at first. And then that uh, uh, I made the Black Shaft video with Dane and um, Isaac and Moya <laughs> shared it, and it just totally blew up out of proportion. I was going to look at my phone. There's followers <laughs> coming in left and right, and I was like, well, like, I've got to pull through with this. This is something I've got to keep doing. <laughs> part of the thing is, is, I mean, like with ABRG, you know, like we started him because we are like, we wanted to say things about boating companies that we just couldn't say because – you know, we, a lot of times we depend on these people for gear and other things like that. <laughs> and we don't, we don't want to shit the bed, so to speak. So part of this is you have to be anonymous, right? So yeah. So you've done a pretty yeah. good job of keeping yourself out of the, your name out of the, out of the site, or how does that work? Um, yeah, it's hard. So I, like, had to create, like, a completely different email. Like, there's a mean booth email. And, um, yeah, it's kind of got – it got scary, like, at some points, like – uh, you know, Banks is center of the universe. Everybody knows everybody there. And, um, you know, I drunkly told somebody one night and then next thing I know, people are messaging me like, Hey, like I know your mean booth. And so like definitely kind of had to go under the radar for a little bit, but sometimes it does slip out. There's definitely people out there who know who I am and stuff like that. And, you know, trying to keep it a secret, but at this point, you know, I'm just trying to be a voice for the people and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to make, some people can't take a joke. I mean, I don't know if if, uh, if I already get made fun of on Mean Booth, I'd take it as like a badge of honor. Right. <laughs> like we've we've arrived finally. And, I, <laughs> and I've, gotten, I've gotten that before too. People are like, "Please make fun of me. Please make fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> do, do something stupid, and I'll make fun of you." <laughs> so what's going? On? I mean, so you can't. I mean, recently at least, you can't talk about Mean Booth without discussing Pat Keller, right? Right, and that's become super hard, and, um, you know, kayaking doesn't seem like a political thing, you know, it's just fun and games, and, you know, we do it because we love it, but, yeah, it's gotten super political, and that's kind of like, you know, night and day, like, Pat Keller meme booth, kind of like head-to-head sort of thing, and it's hard to create content now, and that's happening now in the kayak world, and easy target. (laughs) 
we people yeah. ask us to have Pat Keller come on and discuss this all the time, and we just kind of feel like I mean, we're not a politics show, and right. you know, Pat's made some decisions that obviously <laughs> has isolated him from the paddle sports community. So, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't say that we're not a paddle, we're not a politics show. I mean, we talk about public lands politics all the time, and like, I mean, I'm, water, but I mean, what Pat's doing at this point is not. It's also not. It's not politics. It's insanity. Yeah, that's your opinion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, so where does this end with uh, with with Pat? I mean, I mean Pat's. Kind of, I think he, his Instagram page is gone as of this morning, right? Is, is it so, really? I have not checked. I'm blocked on there. I don't follow him on my personal. Account. <laughs> <laughs> I just got sick of it. Yeah, I got so mad. At a couple times, um, but actually, let me let me check right now. Let's let's find out. Yeah, well, I'm looking through some of these memes, and they're quite brilliant. I just gotta yeah, give some... you, I'm just gonna <laughs> give you credit on like some of this. It's freaking brilliant. Thank I, you. I almost want to hire you for some <laughs> for some things. Hey, I'm I'm here. I'm not doing anything. I'm unemployed. So, <laughs> well, that maybe that explains it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Militias out there don't know who this don't know who this what this is or what this is all about. You should check it out because it is it is it's it's a great it's a great commentary on our sport, no question. Thank you. If you had to had to have like a root, um, a, a tilt, a content tilt, or something that you come back to, I mean, do you have like one position of comedy that 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 is kind of the root of all this? Um. Like where I got the idea from, or like who I'm making fun of. Like, what's your philosophy? Like, what's your philosophy of kayaking that's informing this? Yes, like, exactly. What's bony like, and what's real? Like, what where do you stand on these things? So I don't know. I feel like I come from a background of like super like dry humor. Like when you hang out with me, I'm kind of always like making fun of things, being super sarcastic, and like sometimes it really bothers people. So, like, when I make fun of, like, the senders, for example, you know, like, that's kind of, like, phony, but also kind of, like, real, because they are, like, a, some sort of a frat, but, like, they need to be shit on sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but but then there are memes, like, when I am making fun of Pat, that, like, I genuinely mean from, like, the bottom of my heart that I am, like, kind of, like, drilling him. I guess, like, the philosophy behind it would just be that it's all just supposed to be funny and... If you get it, great. If not, great. It's just there for your for your laughter and enjoyment. Hmm. All right. So the other thing we want to talk about, and because you mentioned this when we were setting up this this uh, this interview here, was what's going on in banks. Um, right. You said you you seem like you kind of have a front row seat to what's going on there with the COVID and, and all that. What's yeah what's the big picture there? So I was kind of there when things started to pick up with COVID that was like end of June and then um, kind of like beginning to mid July um, I stopped there on my way to the South Salmon end of June and um, kind of like what you guys were talking about no one wants to be a pussy everybody's like Banks is tough guy central obviously no one's wearing a mask like when I went there nobody was wearing a mask I wore a mask just because I was living with my mom at the time and um, that was like super important to me um, but the Banks Cafe did a great job of uh, making sure everybody had the proper Banks experience. Um, you could go inside the cafe if you wanted to. You didn't have to. Um, they came out, took your order, would get your beer, get your food, 
which was um, super cool and nice. But yeah, everybody's hanging out in that parking lot. And what it comes down to is the the main majority of the bank's population is um, raft guides. And um, you know, I'm not going to call it any names or any um, raft guide companies, but um, it just seemed that um, COVID didn't really exist in banks. And when the raft guides take out their clients, those clients are going in to the raft guide places or the rafting places, um, signing their waivers. You know, they're exposed to whoever's working at the front desk. And then they're getting on a bus and they're on the bus for 45 minutes, maybe without their mask on. You know, they might put it on while they're on the bus. And then the raft guides are exposed. And then you, on a full day raft trip, you know, you expect full service and they're making food. And the raft guides are touching the food and handing it to the customers. They're, they're doing dishes and everything. And then they're going back on the bus and they have some sort of policy where you can have like open container on the bus because it's a chauffeur and people's masks are off. And then those raft guides get off work. They go back to banks. They're hanging out with all their buddies. They get in the car, go to the top. And, um, so you're describing a super, super spreader event, like my definition every day, (laughs) over and over every day. Yeah. I mean, it's all common sense. You're checking every single box. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just like typical coronavirus hotspot. And so that kind of, I think was the, the main, uh, purpose or the main, um, event of the spread was, was work. And I showed up. And the herb beginning of July, and I rolled into Otterslide like probably like at around seven at night, and I followed somebody in there because the gate was locked, and um, they stopped their car. They got out of their car, came up to my truck, and they're like, "Hey, like just so you know, there's like 26 of us here that are pretty much quarantining because we might have COVID, might not." And that was just, <laughs> that was like the first time I'd actually been not like in contact, but in a spot that I was like that there was known COVID which was kind of it's kind of freaky and um Banks was dead there for a little bit the Banks Cafe shut down and people were quarantining together outside camping probably still partying I didn't really get to see much of it but yeah how many people came down with COVID and do you have any like specific stories about, you know, people's symptoms and just the way it was all the way it out? Yeah. So funny enough, somebody was in my truck and they were like, yeah, like this is my 10th day of having COVID. Like I'm like, Oh great. Yeah. Thanks for telling me that. <laughs> awesome. Um, I think it's not most funny. People, yeah, everybody there's pretty fit. So I like, and has decent health. I mean, which I know doesn't matter sometimes. But uh, everybody I talked to had little to no symptoms, maybe a cough, maybe a, you know, sniffle or two. But I don't think it hit anybody super hard. Um, I know a bunch of people fled from banks when they found out about that stuff. I had a buddy who had to leave because he started getting a cough and he went to Boise and got tested, but luckily uh, did not come out. But I don't, I, as far as severe cases, um, I hadn't heard of anything super bad, just that I'm sure it was common cold stuff, but uh, nothing crazy. Dude, everybody I, I know I just... who's had it got sick. Like some people are like debilitated with headaches and like yeah, my mom, and... 
my mom got it about three weeks ago and she's still super weak like just went back to work like this week and it was crazy to watch crazy to watch wow i definitely heard that yeah i guess i heard some i heard some stories about one raft company in particular and their approach to safety and their employees and the stories that i heard about that are so bad that I'm not going to repeat them without yeah, some I'm sure serious we're, confirmation. I'm sure but the same things and... Yeah, I mean, it was just something that I was just, I was so appalled by what I had heard that I just, like, I can't, I feel like I can't even go on with that about, without some confirmation. But yeah. I just, I hope everybody out there is being appropriately cautious, especially employers with some level of authority over their employees' behavior and, right, you know, some ability to like protect their employees or not you know and it's like to hear that you know maybe somebody is not taking that responsibility very seriously is uh or worse is uh disheartening yeah it's messed up and it's going to be super interesting to see like what happens uh this winter with people traveling to like ecuador and mexico and taking those precautions yeah it's crazy you know i'm here in the south and every i mean we work with several companies from rafting companies to canopy tour operators to guiding services and everybody has just been extremely stringent about all the protocols all the guidelines and i'm talking like 20 30,000 people through various clients and there's been two cases of covid over the whole wow. summer of those people i've worked with so it's like it's like part of it too it's like it just feels like it's idaho you know like i mean even like setting aside the paddling community over there like i was over oh. there i don't know a couple of weeks ago and like i think going into the grocery store and crouch was like probably like my most terrifying experience of oh the God, yeah. covid pandemic thus far i mean it's just like it's yeah it's and i mean i guess what was going on there i mean i like you know like walk up to like the like counter and i was gonna like order a burrito and this kid comes over is working behind the counter like in the grocery store and it's not wearing a mask and he's like can i help you and i'm like no definitely not like you know like the lady who's like working the checkout just like has her mask hung down around her neck and i'm like standing like 10 feet back from her you know like eventually she kind of gets the idea and like sort of half pulls the mask up and it's like her nose is still out and i'm just like 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 are you i mean you're working in the grocery store like don't you you worried for yourself if nothing else it's like or like is not is nobody not in charge over here to like tell you to like follow basic safety precautions it's just like it's i mean i know it's idaho and everybody's uh concerned about their freedoms and whatnot but it's just seems like needlessly cavalier and like especially like if you're running a business it's like it's it can't be good for business to to you know give the impression that nobody there is is taking like basic precautions it's crazy yeah and that is totally Idaho. Like, the more north you get, the worse it gets. Like, in Kuski, over by the Locksaw, like, never saw one mask. Bars were still open. Like, yeah, I pretty, believe it. Yeah, it looks if you are wearing a mask. Sure. Yeah. Fuck that, Idaho. Huh. So, let's get back to your, let's get back to your uh, Instagram um, <laughs> page real quick. You made, a, you made a post a while ago about kayaking companies and the BLM statements. Right. Give me, give me some, give me the story there. Like, what's your take on this? Because it seems Wait, like you had. What you was had the a... meme? Is there a meme about it? Yeah. I, is it the one, the uh, the Lion Any, King one? Anytime like a when... company posts about supporting BLM. Right. right. Um, it was just, you know, kayaking is such a white sport. 
you know, and kind of getting into diversity a little bit, like the diversity whitewater page, um, which is great. Uh, it's just like super white sport and, you know, like we support BLM and all this stuff, but like what, there's like two African-American paddlers that I know of and like, it just, it's great that, that they are supporting BLM, but as far as colored people in the sport, like there's just not a lot of us out there. I mean, me being myself, you know, I'm adopted, I'm from Guatemala, um, it just like was kind of funny to me because like I am colored and like all my kayak crew friends are white as hell and kind of just like, Oh, like, look, I'm paddling with a Brown dude. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like we're cool. Like, like we're diverse. We're all right. We're cool. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the answer? So I the mean... hammer factor is in the clear now. <laughs> right, yeah. Thank you guys are in the clear. Yeah. Thank you. God sure. damn. That's all we need. All right. You can go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I don't know. It's just like thinking of like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example. Well, we could take liquid logic, for example. You, you, I mean, you think of like, I'm like, I hate to bring this back up, but you think of Pat and you think of all the things that he's standing for recently. And, and then somebody posts on liquid logic, like we support BLM. And it's just like, kind of like, on the completely different end of the spectrum, it feels like. Like just eye rolling because you feel like there's not a lot of substance behind it. Yeah, I mean it'd be. Di- I mean it's kind of like ski companies posting that they support BLM. Like it's great, but I mean, have you like how many African American skiers have you seen? Like it's, it's just kind of, I don't know. I just feel like it. It doesn't. It didn't fit the criteria of the, of the sport. But it's awesome that companies totally support it and it BLM is a lot more than than just Black Lives Matter it's supporting it's supporting just I don't know it's hard like trying to dive into this just because it's like such a that's like such a broad question so do you think it's like you think that that these companies should be doing more or do you think they should be doing nothing because it's so white that I mean, I think that, no, I I mean, I think it's great. You know, they're thinking about it like every, not every brand, but a lot of brands like that was like kind of the trend lately was to post about BLM to make sure that, you know, that they support. And there definitely were companies out there that weren't posting about it. I don't know whether that's their beliefs or if they just felt the need that it shouldn't be covered. Um, But I don't know. It's just like funny, like, the, it, sometimes I see clips kind of like that clip of a white woman, you know, singing the Lion King and it's just like completely just like funny. Maybe we're pulling the joke apart too much here. Yeah. yeah but is it, but is it, but is it, was a brand, you know, we get, you know, the, the first week or so, this is all going down. We're getting, you know, a lot of customers asking us like, what do we plan to do? And ultimately we know like actions speak louder than words. And we're so deep into this, to this, to this trench we're in, in in regards to diversity in our sport i mean it's going to take a lot more than just a few token gestures to make any change at all and so you're like overwhelmed with a sense of like fuck you know this is a relatively new thing you know that a, a companies or brands are supposed to you know have a position on these kinds of things you know like even pat like i've said this before on the show but even with pat keller people are like you need to drop pat keller as an athlete you know and you know, this just just this is an arena we've we're just not used to being in. This is something that's really only come come to be in the past three or four years. You know, as that I said before, like 
like I don't want to vet our athletes on their stand on abortion or anything else. You know what I mean? We just don't want to go there. But then, you know, the BLM movement comes along and it's an obviously an important thing. And, and, but like, what do we do? You know, I mean, I even want to begin to untangle this mess, you know, I mean, there's small steps that we can do as a company that are appropriately sized for our business, but it seems like it's, I don't know, it's intractable, you know? Totally. And I feel like my page, when I started the page, you know, not a lot of this stuff was going on and I was able to really, hit people and companies hard and now like things have gotten like more sensitive true colors have started to show and it's kind of hard to like speak out as far as like making a meme like that do you think it's time to start another instagram account (laughs) (laughs) no i've worked too hard on that one (laughs) how are you going to monetize this instagram account that's my question (laughs) Yeah, where's my stickers, by the way? I know, I know. I'm sorry. I, uh, they're actually in Bend, Oregon right now. I moved to Bend like last week, and I left because the fires were so bad. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't really something on my radar, but I will get those to you. All right. <laughs> trying to help you here. So I'll get those to you. Definitely. Um, it was my fault. I didn't, you, sent it, you sent it to our shop, and I guess we don't get mail there. I didn't know that. Someone's well, like, yeah, yeah, welcome to game. White Salmon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, you don't get mail? No, it's a it's a big thing. Don't you don't want to get on that rabbit hole? <laughs> I didn't know either, so I fucked up. But anyway, no, I'm good. <laughs> um, be expecting some merch soon, though. I think might start some t-shirts, and I don't know. It's kind of hard to come up with an idea. Like, you know, while the stickers are a great idea, you're utilizing somebody's name, and it gets kind of hard. Those stickers were actually given to me from a friend and he's like dude like i don't really have like a purpose i like i can't sell these like i'm gonna jeopardize myself like no one knows who you are send them <laughs> <out>. <laughs> and I was like, dude, done. <laughs> oh, that's funny speaking of which does anyone know what happened with the uh what's going on with with Ep- or epic kayaks or apex kayaks rather anyone i don't know There's- I don't know. Hopefully there's, I don't know. I listened to you guys' podcast yesterday about all that, and it it's gonna be a hard it's gonna be a hard market. You know, I know nothing about the the world class world champion fishing tournament at all, but it's gonna be a hard sell. It's a lot of money. If he can't make a living, I think if he can't make money this year, I don't know when he can because there's not a single kayak fishing company or outdoor company for that matter that's not having their best year they've ever had. Right. It's just exploding right now, so yeah. I don't know. You want to get some listener mail? Yeah, let's uh, let's hear. It. You want to do it? You want to be involved with that? Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Let's All right, it. Mr. Grace, what do we got here? Gentlemen, longtime listener and love the show. This is from Jason. Um, there is a rumor going around about Werner Paddles closing shop. Can you sniff around and see if this is true? Lewis Crick cryptically alluded to something in the last show during the discussion about dagger can you get werner senior on the show jason well i called i wrote taylor robertson about some other stuff but i asked him about this as well and like all werner employees it's like it's like scientology they do not talk about it they don't it's and i think if you leave werner and you talk about Werner Powell's, they come and kill you so mafia it's the mafia so I mean, something's going down, right? I mean, Grace, what, what's I mean, what's the word on the street? 
the word on the street is very cryptic, like you said. Um, I know that a lot of their staff is gone. Um, several people that we know no longer work there. I don't want to name any names. Um, I really don't know. I mean, I it, it realistically could be that they just got really behind on production. The whole COVID thing hit there before anywhere else. They've had trouble bringing employees back. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of legitimate problems going on there. But I'm just kind of like, where am I going to get a paddle? I just, I, right. I can't believe, I, I mean, think. I know they had, they had a big wave of layoffs, but I mean, Warner's gone through that before, right? I mean, they've like really like cleaned house and fired a bunch of people we, you know, knew like 10 years ago. I mean, I guess my guess with not a lot of inside information is that they'll be back. Yeah. I mean, a brand that big and that strong, I mean, they've been dominant in that, in that space forever. I mean, literally forever. They had to be, I mean, financially should be able to weather a bad year, but I mean, I don't know. There, there, there is something. This is a bigger disruption I've ever seen out of them for sure. Yeah, I mean, I. Mister Boof, do you use a Warner paddle? Or do you um, use I did. Paddle? I I snapped my uh, my Odachi Prime COVID season, and was unable to get another. I actually, snapped it in the South Salmon. Was unable to get another one. The only thing I was able to get my hands on was a Gallusport from Isaac, um, which was nice. Never going back, right? Never going back. Oh my god! Really? Oh yeah. Oh my god. If it feel, it almost feels like you're not like I have a bad shoulder, and it I don't even feel it on my shoulder sometimes. I feel like, and I was kind of skeptical at first with what people say how powerful they are. Um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, it didn't like piss me off that like I couldn't get another Odachi or like I couldn't get it fixed or anything like that. But um, but I I don't know. I made that meme like last week about like. Warner Paddles used to be a company, and I know a bunch of people were like, well, what's happening with Warner and blah, 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 and I know that they are, like, super back-ordered back now, and I know that they probably had to close their factory during COVID, and a lot of people have switched to Gallusport. Those things are popping up left and right. I mean, Gallusport needs to up their game in the U.S., though. I mean, yeah. I don't mind telling Gallusport this, but it's a shit show over here, guys. You need to get <laughs> a real presence over here, and what you're doing with Isaac. I love Isaac, but... It, that's not. I mean, either you need to give Isaac the tools to be able to really sell these things, or, or something. Because yeah, I need a dealer. You know, what I mean, Galasport is in no way a position to replace Werner in any way, shape, or form in the Waywater space. None at all. Okay. You know. Well, this is a big issue. I got a couple paddles stashed away, so I'm going to be all right. But they're not going to last forever. So if I break my Werner paddle, I'm going back to a Backland wood paddle. That's all I have, and I may have like a, <laughs> a, an AT I, I repaired from like 30 years ago or something. So, Those powerhouses are going to be gold soon, right? Not oh my price. God, they are super the rare paddle. <clears throat> off the hook. Well, this is an open call. If someone wants to come on anonymously from Warner Paddles or not, to tell us that we're completely wrong about this, Taylor said to, to, to Taylor's defense, he said there's nothing. He, you know, he said they had some you know production backlogs, obviously because of COVID, but there's a bunch of rumors and falsehoods being spread around. So maybe it's nothing. Maybe they just had a terrible year production-wise, which is understandable, and they'll be back up and running in next year, right? I mean, that makes the most sense. Unless you want to get into some conspiracy, because there's probably some angles we can go down there. Well, the sales force is dissipated completely, right? But, I mean, who are you selling to, right, when all the retailers are... Yeah, but you can't burn down the house. To, I mean, you have to start but, back up again when this thing gets fixed. But if you don't have any product to sell, you really don't need anybody to sell it. 
I mean, I, it seems to me like it's on the front end, not the back end. But, All right. you know, okay. time will tell. Um, future topic and need to somehow take a little of the bias out of weld. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to hear extended discussion on the state of the retailers into and out of COVID. In the upper Midwest area, um, short of Rutabaga, most retailers are out of business or are propped up by other sources of income. Seems pretty bleak. Show me a retailer that acts like a profitable business and not as a diminished hobby. Well, times have changed. No I mean, name when he on wrote this, this email, oh, when he wrote this email to August 18th, when he wrote this to now, completely different story. Retailers, every retailer we talk is reporting their best year they've ever had. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and it, outdoor. De- uh, it definitely flipped. And this is everything, everything outdoors. It's like everybody rediscovered that there's fun things to do out, outdoors. If the industry can just keep 20% of these people who have just came back outdoors through this whole COVID thing, it'll be, it'll be a good thing. I think it's, I think we're seeing a change in this. I think we're, Americans are changing their perspective on outdoor sports because I was a kid, you know, this is seventies and eighties. That's what American families did is they went out and on the weekends went hiking or backpacking like movies like deliverance were like a box office smash i mean that's what people did you know it wasn't about extreme sports it's just people just did that you know and i think this may be a catalyst to that kind of a change because i don't think people are going to invest this much time and effort into the outdoor sports like buying backpacks and tents and whatever they're buying and just throw it away next spring i mean i think they're going to be really energized by this i mean that's what i like to happen at least I'd like to see it happen i buy that I mean, it's possible. You know, it's possible that we're just going to be go back to where we were, where we just recreate outdoors a hell of a lot more than we have been for the past 20 years. I would love to see that, but people need to start which pick, is, picking up their trash. Which means, Seriously. which means you're going to have you're going to have 120 people racing the Epiroc race as in 40, and you're going to have parking lots at full at the put-in and takeout, and you're going to have, you know, the lower yacht waiting list. We got know, LWCF pass, dude. We'll build new ones. We'll invest back into the resource. That's what Lewis did all that work for. Um, we got time for two more here before I have got to run and get into dad duty. Um, this is a good one here that I think we're going to get into deeper in later shows. And I really want to get your take on this, Lewis. I know that I've talked to several people about this, um, from Bobby Griff- Griffith. This is up in your zone, Mean Boof. He says, Hey guys, uh, thanks for the great content. You guys provide a great mix of interviews, policy and advocacy and the general shenanigans. Just an idea. Maybe dedicate an episode to the South Salmon. As you all probably know, the headwaters are currently threatened by a massive expansion of existing gold mine as the Stibnite. The draft EIS was just published and the public comment period is now. The boating and conservation communities need to rally and let our voices be heard. Maybe bring on someone from Idaho Rivers United or Save the South Fork, both organizations that are fighting the mine. Mix in some epic South Salmon stories from some Idaho locals, high flows, more team beer, pool for when the first descent in an apex boat is going down. The time is now for boaters to get fired up about this issue and you guys produce the best best podcast in the community as long as you're not in the ladies of whitewater form help do your part thanks bobby g uh, p.s seriously more team beer bring back bin luck and get the stories let the stories roll See, um, we covered yeah. this a little bit but what's going on in the south salmon what's the what's the big picture there um there's a massive gold mining proposal like literally on top of the east fork south fork salmon uh, upstream of the section that people run there is a lot of historic mining activity up there and a lot of 
like ongoing mining pollution, this mining company is like pitching this giant gold mine in part as like an environmental remediation effort of the past mining damage up there. Um, the Forest Service EIS is open for comment through, I want to say like second week of October, but the time to comment on this is now. Um, save the South Fork salmon.com. It would be awesome to have Freddie and Melissa come on at some point and talk about all their work up there. The problem, like the big challenge up there is that um, mining law, like for hard rock mining, like mining for gold and metals is so antiquated. It's all governed by a mining law from 1872. And it basically, land management agencies have very, very, very little ability to stop mining projects from going forward. All they can do is sort of like condition the operations. So it's just like a huge challenge up there to stop this thing because there's just so little legally for, you know, kayakers and fishermen and the tribes and everybody who cares about clean water to hang their hats on, you know, like legally or procedurally. So it's a big, tough fight and it's hard to know what the, you know, what the, the winning way forward is here, if there is one, but it's definitely such an important place that it's totally worth putting up the fight. And it would be awesome to hear about, you know, the organizing work that Freddie and Melissa have done up there because they've done a lot. <laughs> Save the South Fork Salmon dot com, Lewis. Uh, yes. What's the word of the street there, Mr. Booth? I mean, you guys, this is a topic yeah, so discussion up there. So that's uh, something I wanted to ask Lewis too. Like, um, you know, obviously, for the future of kayaking, for the future of the South Salmon, voting is going to be huge um, this fall. That you know, that's something I don't like need to explain to you. You guys already know that. What can I do to help? make this better how can i use my platform to get the word out and people be more proactive about this yeah i mean that's a big question um thanks for thanks for asking i mean yeah you know I, I, again it's like with the specifics of the south fork you know all we can do is just keep showing up and again like i would love to hear more from you know the folks who've really been like most intimately involved in that effort what they see is kind of the the path showing forward sorry showing up where like showing up for these public comment processes like for the the deis you know i know the save the south fork folks have been doing a lot of local community organizing up there like showing up for you know city council meetings across you know the affected area and these, these people want to there. see local people show up, not out of staters show up and, and start with these with these meetings, right? That's right. I mean, I guess I say show up, but what I mean that, you know, in a virtual sense as well, like show up by writing a comment, not necessarily show up physically at some public meeting if you're, you know, somebody who lives outside of, you know, the greater McCall area or whatever. But, um, you know, it's just very hard when the political environment in Idaho is so conservative, you know, it's just a real uphill fight that I think, you know, continuing to, you know, be in touch with legislators, like your members of Congress in Idaho, you know, if we have a new administration here in January, I'm confident that hard rock mining reform is something that will be on the agenda. And, you know, I'm certainly have my eye out in DC all the time for opportunities to try to, you know, do something that's going to, make a difference in this project, be in touch with the forest service leadership. 
is is Idaho is Idaho like a place like Montana where you just see an overlap of conservative outdoor enthusiasts who may be Republican, but at the same time, you know, I mean, it seems like Montana has that balance going. I mean, there that's for sure. I mean, I think that exists out there, no doubt. And, you know, uh, um, Mike Simpson, who's the congressman from Boise, is, I would say, maybe the best Republican on conservation issues in Congress. Um, I can't remember the other congressman's name, Fulcher or something like that, who actually is the congressman for like that project area is terrible. Simpson and Crapo or neither or Crapo uh, uh, and Rish, neither of them are, are particularly friendly to conservation efforts. But yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, among the people who vote for those guys, I do think there's a real conservation effort. Like, I think that, you know, people in Idaho care about the outdoors and like they don't want to see, you know, resources needlessly destroyed. But it's hard when, you know, if you have a big mining company that's making a lot of promises about jobs and money flowing into the area. You know, I've heard folks who have been involved in this effort describe Midas Gold is like their favorite mining company with their least favorite project. Like I think oftentimes with mining, there's a lot of uh, almost like fly by night operators who really don't really have any intention of developing the project or almost just trying to like bilk investors or get the project through a certain stage of, of um, you know, through a certain stage procedurally and then sell it off to some bigger company. And that's not really what's going on with Midas Gold. Like those guys mean business. And, you know, I think they're, you know, I guess from what I hear, they're like a very, you know, within the within the uh, milieu of mining companies, they're a relatively good one. They're serious about what they do. And, you know, they're not some shady operation. But at the same time, what they're trying to do here is, um, you know, it's just the wrong place for a gold mine. And in terms of like engineering, what they're trying to accomplish up there seems like they're promising the world and it's just hard to believe that that the things that they're you know trying to achieve up there are really feasible in an environmentally responsible way south save the south fork salmon.com we'll get freddie and melissa on for sure we should do that sooner than later actually yeah agreed is there anything financially we could do like if i were to try and make t-shirts or something and really try and get the word out and donate that money somehow is that would that come into play at all yeah i mean that would help i mean it would certainly help to like raise awareness i mean you can support idaho rivers united support save the south work idaho conservation league is doing a bunch of work on this um american whitewater's been involved if you put that together too we can help you sell them yeah that'd be awesome yeah that's something i've got a graphic designer um that would totally love to do something like that and uh, me personally um, get the word out you know i know i'm based on comedy and things like that but this is a time where i feel this like everybody needs to come together more serious side special... to move. yeah <laughs> I, I might cry <laughs> a very a very special episode yeah. <laughs> no Thanks. seriously if you, if you got my contact information just give me a shout if you if you if you want to go there that's all totally let's make that happen um, thanks for that, Bobby Griffith. Uh, literally, this is going to be our last one. Um, well, real quick, Justin cites 243 squirt boaters in the world. Um, <laughs> I saw Justin down at the Ocoee, and we talked squirt boating for a while. I disagree, Justin. I think there's probably three to four times that many. 
That's not true. I think it's that, big, where man. Do they I think come, it's where do big. They come with 243? Like, how does that... They have a society, Well, Just stay over in your lane, man. You know, I'm telling you, there's got to be 600, Justin. Recount is boating even? Is squirt boating even kayaking? Yes. <laughs> mean Boof, help me out here. Ballet. <laughs> Have we got ha, no. have we got any squirt boating memes yet? No, you know that's something I'm not super involved in. There is actually the one with Clay Wright, and it says "World Champion Squirter." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "When your man gives it to you, good World Champion." Squirter. You know what? We may have to just have you close the show down by reading some memes. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't even put world champion squirt kayaker or boat. He just put squirter. Let <laughs> it all out, man. 2020 could be possible. Uh, we're gonna we'll get to the rough grass society later. Uh, Lewis, we got to get into. We have had so many emails over the years asking about your outfitting technique. We got to do something in depth on that at some point. It's not that complicated. I, I read that email, and I'm not doing anywhere near as anything near as fancy as what that dude is imagining. Ryan Bond, Ryan Bond talked talked my ear off the other day about <clears throat> about these different composite ideas being thrown around for for hulls of boats, and sort of poo pooing some of the things some of the guys are talking about. And he's chomping a bit to come on to set us straight on what he thinks is possible and not possible in terms of the next generation of wet water kayaks. So let's see that. I think that, I think he'd be a good guess for that for sure. He knows the stuff, right? I mean, he's he's very well versed in composite building, and so. Last email. This comes from Benjamin Blake. He says this is going to kind of lead into my rant for this episode. Benjamin Blake, what up, guys? Thanks for the podcast. When's the next one coming out? It's been a while. I'm sorry. Now. Um, two things. Green Race 2020. Um, the logo needs to be a gorilla wearing a mask holding a throw bag, and the slogan should be always use protection. Not bad, Ben. Um, and isn't it time to revisit the race at 200%? That was a good year. Let's break the four-minute barrier. And number two, High Sierra Shit Show. Seven Rivers was such a classic film, and it's what inspired me to travel to the High Sierras, so thanks for that. My concern is on my m most recent trip, every good campsite is covered in shit. Literally. I've never camped at Flint, Flintstone, but I hear it's a sewer these days. The whitewater community needs to do something about this, grassroots style. Maybe you guys can start a movement. If you're going to go to the High Sierra, bring a groover and pack out your shit. If we could get Dane, EJ, Aniel, Facili, and a couple other high-profile Facetagrammers to put the word out, maybe I wouldn't step in human shit next time I portage around the Untouchables. Thanks, guys. Ugh. I look forward to the next episode. Ben Blake. Thanks for that, oh, Ben. Man. Um, that's a bummer. That is a bummer. I see, you know, I, I mean, there's room in your boat to put a little groover in there for a three-day trip. That's for sure. Oh, dude, I'm, uh, that just, that just like brings up such a sore subject for me, man. I just like, I'm, I'm in total agreement and it's like so tragic. Like I remember like one of the last times I went to the Stikine, like just getting to like site Z and you like feel like you're in this place that like, you know, only kayakers ever go and you're just like so out there and there's like fucking like toilet paper and shit. And it's just like, it's oh, so heartbreaking when it's like, shit. I mean, dude, it's like, there's a meme right there. <laughs> but it's, 
it's just i mean it's like i feel like you know like so much of like like the work that i do that like like you know like my belief in life is that you know the people who go out and enjoy these places are you know good stewards and like how are we going to like get our community engaged and like protecting these places that matter to us and like that you know the time that you spend on the river or that you know having these outdoor experiences like you, it changes you personally and you come to appreciate the outdoors and appreciate these places and like that somebody who's like achieved that i don't mean you know, who knows who it was but like that's somebody who has like achieved that level of commitment and proficiency in kayaking has obviously spent years doing this sport has come to you know reach that level without understanding that like you shouldn't just like do fucking shit somewhere like that i mean it's just like heartbreaking you know it's just heartbreaking it's like and, it's... and we get back to the thing where even if the kayaking as a sport is not growing and i think it is the people kayaking at that level is certainly growing the days of going to the upper cherry creek river not seeing anybody like you could 10 or 15 years ago those days are gone right yeah that's just the sport we live in now it's becoming a bigger sport and i think there'll be some benefits from that for sure in terms of us wanting better equipment and all these fancier boats and whatnot but the downside is is that we have to behave like everybody else in a crowded outdoor activity right yeah i mean we can't we can't can't act like we're you know so so, you know the only people out there anymore and especially those runs where like you know they're just as like kind of a few places that everybody camps it's like you know, it's it's one thing when everybody's just camping somewhere random, but it's like we're all on a straight line going, you know, following the same path. Like we're all going to camp at the same couple places, and I don't know, man, might be might be onto something there. Yeah. Might be time. And and yeah. leave no trace principles. It's not rocket science. You know, it's been around forever. You know, so yeah. there's really kind of no excuse for what's going on there. No excuse. Guys, my phone is going to ring in five minutes, and it's going to be Northbrook Energy talking about the green race. Um, So I am going to take us into everybody's favorite part of the show, Rants and Raves, where your host going a little bit of a rant, a little bit of a rave. We've got me and Boof on to give us a rant or a rave on this show, so that'll be a little extra added bonus. I'm going to lead us off in case I get this call, and it leads right into what Ben Blake was talking about. 2020 more people on the trail outside kayaking doing cool things getting healthy but i've seen more trash and more litter from that exact community than any time in my life and i'm just gonna rant about just pick up your stuff just pack your trash out just put it in a can put it in your pack the litter and apparently the literal shit has got so out of control that it's just completely unsustainable. I could I could show pictures of everything from the trail to the lower green. Not the narrows. The narrows is pristine, but like the lower green, all these people who are going tubing and rafting and just ah, pick up your garbage. That's my rant. Just pick up your garbage. Littering is illegal. Pick up your garbage. I want to rant about the wildfires and what's going on here. This isn't a wake-up call. I don't know what it is. We, we went out the other day, and I don't know, it started raining a couple days ago, Geltman, and the whole office stopped and went out to look at the rain. That's how crazy it was. It hadn't rained here in like six months. Were you guys like, what? It's like, what the hell is this? It's like dust, <laughs> but it's heavier, and it's sticking to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we got to figure, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just ranting about the wildfires. We had a, we had a air quality index of, what, 600? In white salmon. Yeah, I saw oh, you guys were yeah. the worst in the world at one day. Worst in the world. The gorge. <laughs> you drug me out here, Geltman. 
Yeah, I hear you, man. That's that's tragic. When I mean, we didn't leave the house for like a week, and I mean, it's I, I just bought some insanely expensive air purifier thing, and like I never thought I was going to come to a place where I had to pay for air to breathe. Oh, it's brutal. Geltman, what you got? I'm going to rant about your videos of doing stern squirts. Mine? I don't care. No, just you collectively, listener. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't want to see it. It's not, it's not even a trick. It's like a basic skill. Like, and like watching you spin around in circles on your stern on the eddy line is tedious. And it's especially tedious when it's a GoPro shot of you spinning around in circles on your stern. Cause then I, not only am I bored, but I'm nauseous. I don't want to see it. We should do Stun. deep pocket defect turns into upstreams. It's like a video genre. <laughs> like defect point. We're like doing a really deep feathering defect stroke into a into an eddy up to an upstream. <laughs> and a one stroke out. Yeah. I'm going to harness my inner Jesse Whittemore for sure. Shut us down, Meme Boof. Mr. Boof. Mr. Meme. I mean, as, as uh, Meme Boof's going to get serious here, um, I'm going to rant. Uh, I want, like, the future of kayaking, I feel like, is dependent on these next few months, and I want everybody to freaking vote, dude. I want everybody to vote. Um, some that I think that I haven't really talked about that much. I've kind of been under the radar this past week. is kind of shitty for me dealing with a breakup. Uh, the smoke got super sick from the smoke. I can't even imagine you guys up there in White Salmon. But uh, the only thing that would make me happy is that if we could continue kayaking um, everywhere so people can post their shitty stern squirt videos, <laughs> hence me, I'm guilty as charged for <laughs> the shitty stern squirt videos. That's um, all I'm going to post I'm, now. <laughs> that's, all, that's, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm going to rant and rave about is everybody votes so we can keep kayaking. And that is episode 77 of the Hammer Factor, a marathon show here. And I got to say, this was a pretty dang good one. Dude, Mr. Boof, you have to listen to the story at the top of the show. I, I'm these, excited to hear about it. These dudes got re- this dude got rescued by a waterfall. It's fucking amazing. It's crazy. Two hours, 24 minutes. Um, oh episode God. 77. <laughs> I may break this into two episodes. Um all right, boys. Well, thanks for uh, all your time. That was a good one. Thank you for listening. Everybody, thank you for your listener mails. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you next episode. Thanks for having me.